Hey, strangers. Welcome, finally, to another episode of The Strange Sessions. As always, I am Kurt, and I am joined by my hopefully non-contagious <laughs> co-host, Krista. I'm, I'm alive. She is alive. And we have a special guest co-host today. It is our very dear friend and our fellow member in Heartland Paranormal Investigations, Rhonda Zahn. Hello. Thank you for coming on the show, Rhonda. Thanks Rhonda Roo. Thanks Roo. for letting me come. <laughs> We're excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. So what was wrong? <laughs> what? Awkward pause. I had the norovirus. <laughs> I'm not even sure what that is. Are you Just sure? Google it. I don't want to go into the <laughs> nitty gritty details. It's not good. It's not pleasant. But yeah, I was knocked out for like five, six days. So You were really sick. Yeah, it was bad. It was There was a scary day in there actually where my husband was like, do I need to take you to the ER? And of course I was like, no. But <laughs> That's what no. I would be it's like all too. good. I'm all, I'm all recovered. I'm good. She was going towards the light. They were beckoning her, and she said, I can't. I have my podcast. We got to do... I need to go back and talk about what I saw in the light now. <laughs> we need to have a show about near-death experiences, yeah, we too. Should. Ooh. Rhonda's into it. She is. So is she, do we have any housekeeping? Not really. It's been so long, I don't know. It's weird. It's only I been, it's only been We only missed one week for I know, the but we episode, record. but it, it feels like it's been forever since we've done this. Yeah, because we record every other week, so you yeah. miss a week, and it's actually kind of a long time. Well, then the week after, we had scheduling conflicts, and mm -hmm. we couldn't make it, so here we are. We're here. I don't, don't think we have to worry about snow anymore, but nope. you never know. You never know. It is only May in Wisconsin. I just want to thank all of our listeners for being really patient and super supportive during... Yeah, and for posting so much on the message boards. Yeah. You guys are awesome, so thank you so much for that. Yeah. As far as housekeeping, I don't think we really have any. It's been a year this week. <gasps> I know, that's crazy. Since, since our we first started. episode. That doesn't seem right. No. <laughs> seems awesome. less than that. I say yeah. congratulations. Thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> successful first year that's really exciting yeah, thank you I'm, I'm surprised at where the podcast has gone i am too like i said in the facebook have. post i didn't think anybody was gonna listen yeah you know so i'm thankful that people are that's very cool so thank you guys for tuning in should we do new stranger shout outs do new we got a lot of stranger <laughs> shout out a lot of strangers i think we're like 96 or 97 we keep hovering between 96 yeah and but then we keep like mysteriously somebody keeps leaving there's like right yeah and then they come back <laughs> yeah so i don't know i, I'm not I, sure what's going I think on there. it's the government or harp or something <laughs> it's gotta be it's the illuminati <laughs> all right so i apologize in advance i'm gonna butcher most of these names but we've got carrie hess nicole enders who is one of my best friends in the whole world, Nikki B, as we call her. Thanks, Nikki B. Yes, so excited that she's listening. Love you to death. Uh, Miranda Enfors. 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 Yep. She friend is of Kurt's. my very best friend, so thank you for listening, Miranda. What took you so long to join Miranda? Well, she was mad because she didn't know we had a secret group. That oh, had, really? And, all, and I was talking about it, and she's like, why am I not in there? So I had it's to put her in there. It's a too secret, apparently. <laughs> It was on a need-to-know basis, and she didn't need to know. <laughs> oh, take that. All right. <laughs> Andy Sharp Kakan? Kakan? I don't know. Like I, I Kason? Kason? I, I don't know. Okay. Brittany Gonzalez. That's easy. Jennifer Afarin. Kate Fallon. Mike Lee. Stephanie Mira Prins. <laughs> they all i love how i say them all with a i'll do the names mark next the time end. thank you i think the youtube commenters are right about Christo. No, <laughs> <laughs> she's a bit slow Ouch. madeline marie eve davis wander lennox that's a really cool name yeah, I love tanya that. peterson and brandy slater so really welcome you guys we yes love, thank you for we love joining having the group. new strangers and we only know two of them so that's exciting so thank you for joining the group yeah Rhonda, tell us about yourself 
Oh my God. We always have these hosts on and we never ask them, like, who so are who you? who are you? <laughs> What's your story? We're not sure. She was just here wandering the school, so. Um, well, Kurt and I go way back. Yeah. To 11th grade, I believe. Um, yeah. 1987. Mm-hmm. Um, high school sweethearts. No, just kidding. Um, I was too. I was busy listening to Poison and White Snake. Oh, and yeah. Whatever. Scrubby as our <laughs> My high nickname. school gang was. Yep. No one I was Scrubby, it. the scrub, sir. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. Um, I think you and my hubby, Mark, and Matt had originally talked about Starting a paranormal group. Yeah. Yep. Then we started. It was East Central Wisconsin Paranormal yeah. Investigations. And at first, it's, oh, you guys, boys, just go play, have fun. And then <laughs> after, I think, your first investigation, and I heard all of it, I was like, okay, I think I might want to do this. So, um, And then Krista ended up joining the group. And So by then, it was Heartland Paranormal Investigations. Yes. Yep. And we all hit it off immediately. Uh-huh. Yeah. Day we one, really did. We clicked right we really away. Did. And that was, what, 10 plus years ago? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, depressing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's awesome. It is awesome. But thank you for coming on the show, finally. Yeah. Thank you for having and, me. And uh, so, by the way, Rhonda's daughter is Brittany, who we've mentioned on this uh, podcast several she times. She told me I had to do a shout out. Oh, she's like, and make you sure <laughs> I haven't had a chance yet. So, yep. like, hey, Britt. And if I can do a shout out to my cousin, I know who listens to Sarah. We met Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. at the party. Okay. Yes. Awesome. And she was very fan struck when she met Krista <laughs> last so year. Who isn't? Everybody party. is. I know, right? I can't help, can't help but love Krista. <laughs> except that one True guy story. on YouTube. The yeah, hater. <laughs> the hater. Yeah. The hater. <clears throat> well, he cool. needs a life. Obviously, he's not a good judge of character. Right. So. <laughs> Can't spell millennial either. No, that's just sad. But I'm not bitter. Right <laughs> <laughs> um, Housekeeping. Um, I could mention the true crime crew, I guess. Yeah, do that. Yeah. But okay. we'll, we'll talk. I'll, ready? Okay. I'm ready. Ready. Ready? Ready? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might even leave that in. That was cute. <laughs> But no, we uh, we're planning on some things coming down the road for the podcast. Uh, we've been talking about a possible new logo, yeah, which is awesome and exciting. Mm-hmm. And what, did somebody offer to do it for us? Yes, BDZ. It was BDZ. Brittany. That's yep. right. Yep. Yeah, on Facebook, I graphic about designer. That. Yeah. yeah, that'd be yeah. Awesome. Our old just... one, the one that I made with the white, the background was intended just to be a placeholder until we found it's something cool. that it we is. liked. I like it. But all it is is I don't remember if I mentioned this on the show. All it is is I, t- I have a picture of the sunset through the trees in the woods, and I just made it uh, negative. I made a negative of it, <laughs> and I was like, "Ooh, that looks kind of badass." We're gonna keep from that. the dark side. Yeah. <clears throat> so we're looking at a new logo. We're talking about merchandise. Talking thank you about all merchandise. For Did we uh, talk about that? Thank you. Go. Thank you so much for uh, all the votes for the uh, life size curtain. Kurt <laughs> so slightly disturbing, yeah. but Very whatever. Scary. <laughs> yes. But t-shirts won. Yeah, by t-shirts, a long shot, mugs, which is awesome. Um, I know that coffee mugs. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, coffee mugs for sure. Who was it that wanted a bottle opener? Uh, was that our girl Bridget in California? I, I remember because so. Nikki and I said because we always when we watch our Survivor and Big Brother Wednesday nights we always drink beer so we're always looking for a bottle opener so sweet it'd be nice to have one on hand for that. Um, we promise this summer we'll get some merchandise made even if it's yeah. only one of those things to start yeah. with. But but yeah, I th- you know we want to offer it as prizes. Yeah, you know that kind of stuff. Totally, and to buy. I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. are people, people going to be able I'm to not purchase that at all. Too? 
so many people have brought up like having additional a Patreon or whatever. like a Patreon yeah. thing, and I just can't. I just don't like that idea. I've never liked that. I don't like the idea of charging somebody to listen to us, even if it's just extra bonus material. I mean, if you really like it, you can come and hang out with me for a day for free and listen to us babble. <laughs> right. You know, that's what merchandise is for. If you yeah, that's me. what merchandise is free for. advertising. Yeah, mm-hmm. we should save some of our pre, you know, when we're getting the recording set up and we're talking <laughs> stupid and that would have uh, to be very, because very, it's very, very, it's very interesting, very, yeah. very R-rated. <laughs> that, you know, that could maybe be a little bonus thing. Yeah. <laughs> I should mention another thing coming down the pipeline is the True Crime Crew uh, podcast I'm working on with Jeff and Joe from Paranormal Palaver. Um, hey Jeff and Joe. Hey guys, but we have. Um, hey Joe, Jeff doesn't listen to this. Just saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we we've got four episodes recorded. We're planning on doing a mass release of the first season this fall. So stay tuned. Awesome. Cannot wait. And now it's time for our taste test. Rhonda's going to sit in on this one. This oh, one's really not that bad. Oh God. He says that every I'm it's not. really. I, I don't think <laughs> scared. <laughs> Okay, I passed out the cups. So These are really nice cups, actually. I, I know. I was just thinking the same thing. I was impressed. Hmm. Kurt, I these are chinette, cups, aren't they? They are chinette. Wow, those are Boy, big spenders. You know, they <laughs> have those. Uh, I feel honored. I know. I have no idea. They have you those had now in the like in the cake section. You know, have they have those mug cakes that you just like mix a little water in and you oh, put and it in you the, put microwave. In the microwave? Yeah, yeah. Oh. and it makes that's what these are for. Oh. I had a bunch of these at home. You know, it looks like a good coffee, like to go coffee mug. Too. It is because uh, this sometimes it's riveting I like to... for our listeners, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> At least then they have something to because reference. Because, yeah, this is, you know, these sometimes are, these are bring, fancy for Kurt. Sometimes so I bring is... smoothies on my way to work, or I bring tea, or I bring coffee, so I kind of wanted these. So now you buy your little cakes that you can bake for yeah. the cups yeah. that I you're doing, you're buying. Yeah. That's what you really need. <laughs> they have a pancake one that is so freaking good. A pancake that a you pancake, make in a cup? Yeah, it's like a, a pancake mug. Pancake in a cup. I can get behind that. in a cup, that. and it's really good. It tastes perfect. Yum. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tonight's is kombucha. We got another oh kombucha to try. I looked up how to pronounce it because I didn't know if it was kombucha or kombucha. It is kombucha. Kombucha? Okay. It is oh God. <laughs> the Brew Doctors, Townsend's Tea Company, the Brew Doctor Kombucha Happiness. Okay, let me take a picture before you bust that I'll thing I'll read open. the ingredients. Okay. Very simple ingredients. Wait, wait, we should, maybe we should drink it first and then no. well, tell the ingredients. Yeah, let's do yeah, that. Let's do that. Please. Let's do that. Let me take a picture. Because there's something in here that's... Because <laughs> yeah, Rhonda yeah. won't drink yeah. it. <laughs> she knows what the ingredients yeah, no, are. No, let's, wait, let, wait. let me take a picture. Does that have to be... Sh- shake, do you have to no, shake it, it up? No, it says do not shake. Oh, do not shake. All it's right. like weirdly carbonated. All right. <laughs> All kombucha Where is, like is that... Okay. Like in the organic strange section. sessions bottle opener. No, right? Could, oh, if see, only we could we totally a bottle use. opener. We should just make a strange had. sessions bottle opener for us and for Bridget because she requested. Right. It. All right. By the way, follow her on Instagram. She's got a really cool Instagram page. It looks like really weak beer. <laughs> Rhonda's <laughs> belching in anticipation. <laughs> Sorry. Totally. I'm not you are going to edit that out, right? We'll see. I, I may forget no. to edit that. My little inner belch. It probably Such did. a lady. It probably wasn't picked up on the microphone. There's very few ingredients in here, but there's one that was like interesting. So I want to see what you think. It's foamy. Oh, it smells like a it cider. It smells like beer. Like it, a, smell like, it smells like a cider. Am I going to be pulled over for drunk driving on the way home? 
How is, how is that different than Can the other? Can you hear Krista sniffing? <laughs> you ready? Okay, ready. Do we have to like swirl it like a good wine, you or to, you have to br- invite the bouquet into your nose? <laughs> you have to plug your nose, probably. <laughs> ready? Okay. Okay. This is the Cheers. Brew Doctor Kombucha Happiness. Okay, go. Right. Oh, that's good. That's not bad. No, and I can't taste. It's not sweet at all. No, and I can't taste what I thought was kind of the weird ingredient on there. The ingredients are... Wait, let Krista finish. Let us finish before you. (laughs) It's not a weird... It's not like a bad ingredient. Okay. The ingredients (laughs) are filtered water, organic white tea, organic cane sugar, live probiotic cultures, and organic rose. Rose? So there is rose I don't taste the rose No, I thought it would be like more... Probiotic culture, though. We're all going to be running to the restroom like (laughs) Like, I can edit that out. (laughs) The running to the restroom part. (laughs) (laughs) Our voice is fading into the distance. It's actually really good. No, it's really good. It's not as strong as normal kombucha. No, and it does have like a, it does taste like a, like a cider, like an alcoholic cider drink. (sighs) It is way better than I expected. Yeah, it's really good. good. Okay. We approve. I'm going to save it to sip on. Out of 10? Me too. I'm going to give it... Just because I don't really love carbonated drinks, like a seven. Rhonda? I don't know. It's pretty tasty. Um, I'm going to go with, I think, an eight. I'm going to go with a nine because it, I really like it. It's good. And it's there's like hardly any ingredients. better than some of the other crap you've made me drink. <laughs> <laughs> right? They're not really, all going to be weird. Not I was really nervous about the... T- just, yeah. If you show up with a salmon kombucha, we're done. <laughs> oh, I would, I would try that in a heartbeat. You would. Yep, of course really? you would. Of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help it. <laughs> okay. And on we're at you know at the end of the after we discuss oh, the our topic questions. after the after the discussion yeah the, after today's topic we will have our viewer our listener I keep calling them viewers <laughs> our listener questions. Sweet. Now we're gonna be burping <laughs> throughout the podcast. I, yeah, I, have to, I, have to, I have to edit What's all my. What's it called? Kabuka, kabucha, what? heavy breathing. I have, no, not my heavy breathing. My <laughs> gurgly stomach. <laughs> so today's topic is Lake Michigan Triangle. This was first suggested by listener Becky Rutherford. Thank you. She Becky. is a, a Wisconsin girl. Born and raised in Wisconsin. So I actually didn't know about this until it was on the show Ancient Aliens one Mm. night. They actually mentioned it on there. And I was like, holy crap. You know, because one of the points is Manitowoc. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that is what we are going to be discussing tonight. And Rhonda actually works for the car ferry, which is one of the edges of the triangle from here to Ludington. Mm -hmm. So that's very cool. So it we're is. lucky she's here at all. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, she hasn't disappeared out on like... No, right? <laughs> we're going to grill her Some tonight because she knows, she knows about it. And they told she's her not to tell anybody. Oh. So. Yeah, like we roofied you totally. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Just record whatever you're going to do to me. <laughs> so Lake Michigan is one of the five great lakes of North America and the only one located entirely within the United States. Oh, I knew sure. that. Lake Michigan is the third largest Great Lake by surface area and the sixth largest freshwater lake in the world. Hmm. It has a surface area of 22,404 square miles. The lake's average depth is 279 feet, while its greatest depth is 923 feet. Damn. Yeah. 923 feet is really deep mm-hmm. for a lake. Yeah, it's, I love Lake Michigan. I just think it's so beautiful. There, that, 
that deepest point actually because I was telling Kurt that we actually have a really cool um, picture that hangs in the uh, ticket office in Manitowoc for the car ferry that has the actual depths. And I think the the deepest part is like right off of um, like Kiwani. Really? Yeah. So just north of Manitowoc is like where that deepest part of the lake would be like kind of like halfway between. I didn't know it was that close. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Uh, there are two passenger and vehicle ferries that operate ferry services on Lake Michigan, both connecting Wisconsin on the western shore with Michigan on the east. But of course, the car ferry badger, badger. is the better of the two. We've got to say that. Hello. Uh, I love the badger. Just, just saying. I've never been on any of them. You we'll should. talk after I know. the show. I, I, went, I went on. I did the day trip just a couple mm-hmm. years ago where I just went across and came back, and it was so. It Honestly, was amazing because at night. I loved it that even though it was like July or whenever it was, it's cold. I yeah, mean, it's, the I mean, lake it's cool. Is cold. Yeah. And because it was so cool, there was nobody out on the deck. I was the only one literally on the deck laying in a, a chair looking at the stars. And you can see so many stars out there because the lights, they didn't have the lights oh, on, on the boat. Amazing, so it was. Yeah. I could see satellites. Sure. I could, it was just beautiful. So I really want to do that it's again. It's usually at least 10 degrees cooler out. Yeah. I was surprised then, how cold yeah, it was. Then I'm sure so. Uh, the lake is 307 miles long by 118 miles wide with a shoreline of 1,640 miles. Damn. I know. That's pretty big. It's often referred to as the third coast. And it's been estimated that the lake contains over 2,000 shipwrecks. Wow. What? Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize there was that many. <clears throat> that's a lot. Yeah. Like researching the lake, it's... I see the lake literally every day. You know, because my mm-hmm. apartment is like right near the lake. So anytime I drive somewhere, I see the lake. Can and you see it from your No, I window? can't see it from my window. But when I go to Memorial Drive, it's like Because right you're like there. literally like a block away yeah, from like yeah. like Michigan, block away yeah. from it. So and it, like researching this, it's just weird how I don't realize how important that was. I mean, people lived or died by the lake, by mm-hmm. shipping, you know, by all that stuff. And so many people died on the lake. And I just take for granted how important it was back in the day. I mean, it still is. But back when you were shipping stuff across back and forth, that was like a big thing. I don't think people realize how nasty can get out on Lake Lake Michigan is weird because when it's like a nice sunny day, it's beautiful. When you see the sun, you know, on the water and stuff, it's beautiful. But when it's like a foggy gray day, it's really kind of creepy. It's like d- the yeah, lake is depressing. actually really... <laughs> it can be depressing, de- but it's depressing be... and it is creepy. And, and the waves can get really big out yeah. on the lake too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I have some video that I took last time we had like a major storm come through and it's crazy. One of the gentlemen I work with, um, one of the mates on the ship, I actually talked to him a little bit about the um, Lake Michigan Triangle, but he was telling me that waves can get up to 20 feet. Yeah. Easily crazy. on the lake. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. speaking of that. I hate to be on the ship during that. <laughs> Sheboygan oh, is there. <laughs> the freshwater surfing capital of the world. That is so Did cool. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, there's people tournaments. People actually surf down there? Yeah, people come from all over the world to surf Seriously? in Sheboygan, yes. <laughs> it's crazy. I think that's cool. It is really cool. I'm going to have to wax my board and come down here. <laughs> yeah. What board that, like, are we talking about? Or something <laughs> wow. Explicit. <laughs> We're talking about waxing your surfboard. What are you talking about? <laughs> waxing So now the start of the Lake Michigan Triangle stuff. On a chilly day in May 1891, a ship named the Thomas Hume left Chicago after dropping off a load of lumber and began the trip back home to Muskegon, Michigan. The three-masted, 132-foot-long schooner had been built in 1870 in the town of Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Ooh. Rhonda and I, it's our hometown. Ooh. 
known for our boats and killers pretty much <laughs> serial no not a serial nice. that's for true true, true crime true crime yes. yeah uh, traveling alongside the thomas hume was another ship named the rouse simmons which would ironically also go on to become another one of the most well-known shipwrecks in lake michigan history and that's the christmas tree ship oh no kidding yeah that sunk like right off of two rivers like right down the road from my apartment wow they have a plaque like by the lighthouse there where the ship sunk Really? Yeah, and that's hmm. like a that's like a well known, locally well known. Well, obviously not really not well, well known. known. <laughs> I was born and raised in Manitowoc. Did and it's like, really? Edmonds Fitzgerald is that in Lake Michigan? Lake Superior. Oh. Lake Superior. Yeah, that's another Sorry. great. Yeah, I have another that song in my head. Story. I know, right? <laughs> Thanks, Krista. First it was Love Shack, and now it's yeah. Edmonds Fitzgerald. <laughs> yeah, Krista put Love Shack in her head earlier. <laughs> B-52s, man. <laughs> so al- although the weather had been quiet, a sudden storm whipped up. The Rouse Simmons wisely decided not to chance it, and they turned around and headed back to Chicago. The Thomas Hume continued their course, and when the ship didn't arrive in Muskegon at the designated time, a rescue ship was sent out. The rescue ship returned without finding the ship or any trace of a capsized ship or a wreckage, which is usually found in these situations. The owners of the ship, lumber barons Charles Hackley and Thomas Hume, who named the ship after himself, apparently. Clearly. Wow. Vain much. Dick moved. Narcissist. <laughs> they offered a $300 reward for any information on the lost vessel, believing that the ship's crew may have stolen, repainted, and renamed it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Weed out your employees a little better. <laughs> but See, nobody. We have our own pirates here yeah. in Lake Michigan. <laughs> nobody had any information about the ship. Over the years, the legend of the disappearance of the Thomas Hume continued to grow. Then, in 2006, a sunken schooner was found that seemed to match the Thomas Hume, but it couldn't be 100% identified. Divers set out to find the ship's registration number carved on the deck, but that task required scraping away thousands of zebra mussels. Wow. That's a crappy job. <laughs> so they were like, nah. <laughs> not worth that. I don't blame them. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, we're, really we're, good know not knowing. Is... we're good not knowing. So although the number has yet to be found, it is believed that the sunken ship is the Thomas Hume. Interesting. So that was like one of the very first cases that shows up in this. It was the sinking and disappearance of the Thomas Hume that is often cited as the beginning of the story of the Lake Michigan Triangle. Lake Michigan has a long history of mysterious shipwrecks, airplane crashes, unexplained disappearances, strange lights on the water, UFO activity, and much more. A lot of this activity is located in what is known as the Lake Michigan Triangle. The triangle spans from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, yay, our home to Ludington, Michigan, and south to Benton Harbor, Michigan. So, and then back up to Manitowoc. And then back up. So yeah, there's it's not that well known, but when you look up stuff about Lake Michigan Triangle, it's it's out there. Okay. So the next one was October thirtieth, nineteen twenty one, a ferry came across the wreck of the schooner Rosabelle. It was floating upside down with its aft section completely smashed, and its 11 passengers and crew were nowhere to be found. The captain of the ferry said that it looked like it had been in a collision with another ship, but no wreckage was found and there were no reports of any missing ships or collisions that week. The mystery of what happened to the Rosabelle has never been solved. So they never found any of the people? No, nope. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Even stranger was the fact that it was the second almost identical wreck for the Rosabelle. In August 1875, the vessel capsized in the same area and drifted ashore near Grand Haven, Michigan. Ten crew members were lost that day. The wreck was recovered at the time and rebuilt. 
So I feel like I probably wouldn't go on that yeah. trip. <laughs> so the the crew it was a crew of ten and a crew of eleven passengers. The but the first time that the first it, time it was ten. Ten crew members were lost the first time. So everyone perished the first time yes. as well. Yeah, that's interesting. And the second time. <laughs> yeah, and the second time. And like now it. I'm gonna take a little three or four minute detour because I just read this and I thought it was super interesting and. You know, it, it's our responsibility to to learn you guys. <laughs> you know, we so, want you to be smart like us. Yeah, sometimes you know we want to drop a knowledge bomb on your ass. Sure, so sure, sure. this is us dropping a knowledge Blow bomb. Blow your mind. Because I thought this was actually really interesting. Okay. The eleven people that were on board the Rosabelle were members of the House of David, a religious sect slash cult that was based in Benton Harbor, Michigan. It was led by Benjamin Purnell, who claimed to be a messenger of God, of course. you know <laughs> They always do. Yeah. He claimed that God had told him that Jesus was about to return to usher in a restoration of the Garden of Eden, and Purnell prescribed a pure way of life focusing on entrepreneurship and hard work. By 1916, more than a thousand people had joined the House of David. Their members weren't allowed to have sex, even when they were married, Male members were not allowed to cut their hair or to trim their facial hair in order to more resemble Jesus. Meat, alcohol, and tobacco were strictly forbidden, and personal property was not allowed, yet thousands of people joined them, and tens of thousands of people came to meet and visit them, loving the fun nature of the commune, who live very freely and happily. This doesn't sound fun at all. <laughs> I, they, I don't know. I, looking like up stuff bar. about it, it was like no really sex, kinda, no alcohol, it was really, no they, meat. They actually sounded really kind of cool. <laughs> what? Uh, they had their own amusement. Kurt's drinking the Kool Aid, apparently. <laughs> they had their they had their own amusement park and large zoo, oh. their own electricity plant, their own hospital, their own schools, dozens of their own businesses, and they built elaborate mansions to house all their followers. But one of their most legendary and enduring legacies was their baseball team. Shut up. The House of David baseball team began as a distraction from celibacy. <laughs> so they began playing on the semi-pro circuit and quickly started to draw fans. It was partly due to their looks. In the clean-shaven era of the early 1900s, major league teams forbade players from having any facial hair whatsoever, and the House of David players had waist-long hair and full, lengthy beards, and it was shocking to people at the time. Sure. So people started bringing their kids to see the freaks playing baseball <laughs> or because they were curious themselves, but then they became fans because the team was actually really, really good. Well, they major, had nothing else to do. <laughs> major, yeah, exactly. Major league teams began scheduling exhibition games against them, and the major league teams often lost. For years, they reportedly had an average winning percentage of .750, which is really good, and often made it through a season without any losses. They were famous for their show-off game, similar to what would later become the Harlem Globetrotters' flashy play style on the basketball court. The House of David players would whip the ball back and forth to each other while dancing or make the ball apparently vanish into their beards. <laughs> it fascinated the crowd. Despite their amazing skill and their fan base, they weren't allowed to play in any of the major leagues because of their appearance. Another league that was banned from playing in the majors based on their appearance, the Negro Baseball League, asked the House of David team to join them, and the House of David team became a huge part of the Negro Baseball League. Really? Yeah. The baseball team survived into the 50s, but for the most part, the main House of David came crashing down in the 1920s when more than a dozen girls in the colony told authorities they'd had sex with Benjamin Purnell while they were underage. 
Sex with the leader was presented to them as a necessary step in their salvation. Oh, sure. Cult leaders, stop it with the sex. I, I don't... It's always... It's, it's like a template. Everything you're talking about, there's like a perfect yeah, template it's like for you every get, cult. It's just weird. No you sex. Get, you get power, yeah. and then the power leads to you having sex with you know, underage people. There was a huge trial, and the sect ended up splitting into two different groups, which slowly dwindled away. But Michigan historian Debbie Boyer-Smith recently said, a lot of people think they're gone. A lot of people think they died out, but they haven't. There's only a couple left, but they're still here. So I thought that that was... Huh? When was that that she said that? I think two years ago. Oh. But I just thought that was a really interesting story about the baseball team. That's very... I'm curious, too, if um, these mansions and, you know, the the compounds... I'm assuming they're still there. Road trip. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I thought that was cool. That's those, really, that, that is those really are the people cool. that disappeared I mean, on the cool Roosevelt in a were, disturbing way, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've read a lot of stuff about cults. You know, like there's this Nexium one now that's in the news where the that actress oh. tried recruiting like sex slaves yeah. and all that crap. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. She was on Superman? Was it Superman? No, it was or called it was like, something else though. It was about Superman. What was that called? I don't know. I didn't Smallville? watch it. Smallville? Smallville, yeah, yes. She was, she was Smallville. an actress from Smallville, and she was recruiting like women for like to... a sex cult. Yeah. Like human trafficking. Yeah. They were branding these women. Yeah. Well, that's messed up. Yeah, so. Yeah. But I mean, of cults all the cults that I've up. ever heard about, these guys actually sound kind of cool. You know, they really did. They didn't sound bad, other than the, the, the leader. controlling stuff. Well, you know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not defending them. I'm just saying that they sounded... Kind of cool. Kurt would totally join. <laughs> yeah, the baseball team. You don't like sports. I like baseball. Well, you do like baseball. I do like baseball. Like. Playing baseball or just watching baseball? Oh God, I haven't played baseball since like the 80s. So probably not. <laughs> wa- but I love watching. I like watching Brewer games. I love having baseball on TV at home. Hmm. I really do. least favorite sport. Yeah, this is the last podcast you'll be on. <laughs> First and last. First and last. We're done. <laughs> Next case from the Lake Michigan Triangle. On April 28, 1937, the lake freighter, the O.M. McFarland, picked up 9,800 tons of coal in Erie, Pennsylvania, and then headed west through the lakes bound for Port Washington, Wisconsin. Because it was early in the season, the lakes still had ice in them, which slowed the McFarland's progress. The ship's captain, George Donner, had remained on the bridge for hours, guiding his ship through the dangerous ice flows. When at last the ship turned into Lake Michigan, the exhausted captain left for his cabin with the instructions that he be called when the ship neared Port Washington. Three hours later, as the McFarland neared Port Washington, the second mate went to the captain's cabin to awaken him as instructed, but the door was locked and the captain didn't answer the call. Thinking that Donner had gone to the galley for a late night snack, the second mate checked the galley and learned that the captain hadn't been there. Going back to the captain's cabin, they broke down the locked door, but the captain wasn't in the room. The mate and other sailors began an exhaustive search of the vessel, but the captain could not be found. To this day, nobody knows what happened to him. Hmm. You know, that's weird. I mean, could you just fall off a boat? People fall off cruise ships all the time. Yeah, I mean, they do. You know, I know we kind of talked about that, this particular situation um, not too long ago. And, you know, I was saying, okay, I was saying if the door was locked from the inside could he have set the lock closed the door and then left but even so you know i just sitting here listening to this again i'm thinking if he would have said you know jumped ship or you think that somebody would have heard would have seen seen, or right yeah right so it's just it's why would he do 
I don't know. Right. You know, you know, right. Some, what of, the, would, some what of the would... theories I read said possibly suicidal, but, you know, I don't know. It just didn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense for me. Well, and there's nothing, we have no evidence to back up that he had any reason to want to commit suicide either. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Interesting. So, yeah. I mean, it's, that's kind of a big one when you look up this Lake Michigan Triangle stuff is the disappearance of And Donner. for him to have, I think the windows were locked too, right? Yeah, they windows, windows were locked. And then normally, you know, normally, you know, your windows on a ship are going to be locked s- from the inside. And one's small too, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times yeah. they're the, the portholes and mm-hmm. you can't fit a human through it. But <laughs> yeah, but they were locked too. So yeah, it bizarre. Yeah, they have, they have no idea what happened. No idea what happened to him. Hmm. The next one, on June 23rd, 1950, Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 2501, a DC-4 aircraft, was flying from New York's LaGuardia Airport to Seattle, Washington. The aircraft was in good shape, and the captain, Robert C. Lind, had been flying the same route for over five years. Flight 2501 departed LaGuardia Airport at 7.31 that evening with two flight crew and one cabin crew member. There were 55 passengers on board, including two families traveling with their children and three pregnant women. As the flight neared Michigan, a storm began to whip up. At 9.30 p.m., the Weather Bureau issued a regional forecast predicting widespread thunderstorm activity and described the development of a dangerous squall line extending from southern Wisconsin eastward into lower Michigan and moving south. The southern edge of the squall line was located west of Benton Harbor, which is one of the corners of the triangle. Mm -hmm. Regional forecasts were not routinely broadcast, and the Flight Advisory Weather Service man did not ask air traffic control to warn flights about the squall line. Although the controllers had the information available, they did not think to do so either. The meteorologist at Northwest was not convinced that the squall line prediction was accurate, so no one at Northwest advised the flight crew of the forecast. That sounds like a lot of screw-ups on people's parts. Yeah. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. An eastbound aircraft at 5,000 feet was experiencing severe turbulence over Lake Michigan and was struggling to maintain its assigned altitude. Air traffic control estimated that the two aircraft would pass each other and was concerned that 1,000 feet separation wouldn't be enough because of the turbulence. At 11.13 p.m., the flight crew requested dropping their cruising altitude to 2,500 feet. They didn't say why, nor did they declare an emergency. Air traffic control declined the request as there was other traffic at that level. The flight crew acknowledged that the descent was not approved and the flight continued at 3,500 feet. That was the last radio transmission from Flight 2501. Throughout the night, when the flight wouldn't respond to any calls and couldn't be found on radar, people began to fear the worst. When the sun rose the following morning, a massive search and rescue operation was started. They loaded the boats with sonar equipment and sent divers down where strong sonar contacts were made. The entire area where it was believed the plane went down was dragged with hooks in the hopes of pulling something to the surface, but nothing came up. That evening, after 11 hours of searching, a U.S. Coast Guard cutter discovered an oil slick on Lake Michigan about 18 miles north-northwest of Benton Harbor, the southern edge of the squall the night of the accident. Meteorological reports confirmed that a squall line was located there at the time that the aircraft was believed to have crashed. The U.S. Coast Guard also found the aircraft logbook floating in the water. Further floating debris was found in the area, but they could not find the actual aircraft wreckage. They scoured the lake and the surrounding area for another day with no results. After four days, the Navy suspended their search because of the difficult conditions. The Coast Guard and aircraft flying in that area continued to watch for any sign of the missing aircraft, but the official search was over. 
The only pieces of the aircraft which were recovered were fragments which could float. Foam rubber cushions, armrests, clothing, blankets, pillows, pieces of luggage, etc. There was no sign of fire on any of the debris recovered. Condition of the cushions and armrests showed that the aircraft must have struck the water at a very high speed. Then, shortly after that, body parts began washing up on shore. South Beach, an area popular with tourists, was forced to close because of the large number of body parts that began washing up. Oh, Lord. You know, nothing will ruin your family vacation <laughs> like your, your... Like a torso. Yeah, like your, your kid dragging a torso up and down the beach. This was reminding me of MH370 until the body parts started yeah. showing up. Many of the parts were described as, quote, shredded. Coast Guard officials believe that there must have been some kind of huge midair explosion to disintegrate the body so badly. In 1950, this was the deadliest commercial airliner accident that the United States had ever experienced. The Civil Aeronautics Board, who was in charge of the investigation, could not determine a probable cause. So they think that there must have been an explosion, but none of the um, had wreckage fire, had any yeah. fire damage. Yeah. The mystery continues to this day. All that is known is that the plane hit the water at a very high speed. It's possible that there was a mechanical failure mid-flight, but the aircraft was in good condition and a flight crew would have recorded or would have reported if there were any issues. How many people were on board? 55 passengers and I think like, what did they say, 15, 20 crew members? No, three crew. It was a small crew. It was a small crew. Yeah, I think it was like 58 people. Yeah, 58 people. So over 60 years later, the aircraft has still not been found, but there are groups that go out every year still to this day looking Mm. for it and cannot find it. There are reports that state that around two hours after the last communication with Flight 2501, two police officers reported seeing a strange red light hovering over Lake Michigan and disappearing after 10 minutes, leading some people to believe that a UFO was to blame. It's aliens. But I, I don't. I, a plane crash could happen for any number of reasons. Any number yeah. of reasons. No, I'm just wondering, too, if, if the plane hit the water hard enough, could it do that kind of damage to the bodies, too? Could it shred... Right, rather than an explosion midair. Yeah. I don't see why not. That's a pretty violent impact. Yeah. Yeah. I'm flying to Kansas at the end of the month. <laughs> oh, we're really going to have a lot. We're gonna, our next episode will be all air, air, weird airplane there crashes. There you go. <laughs> Great. Unexplained. <laughs> next. On March 8th, 1994, in western Michigan, flickering lights resembling Christmas tree lights or a string of airplanes flying very close together and doing unusual maneuvers was reported to authorities by over 60 puzzled 911 callers. Hmm. In a call between police and the National Weather Service, an officer says, quote, We've had about 60 UFO calls, to which the operator audibly sighs and replies, Oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Oh, cripes. I I love stories where multiple witnesses. Yeah, 60, over 60 people called about these lights, Hmm. you know, and oh, geez. Uh, The operator went on to say, Yeah, there's something big down there. It's really strange. It's moving towards the west southwest, looking like a big blob. It was up about 6,000 feet or so, and then it disappears. It's moving. After a brief silence, the operator says, I'm getting it now at about 12,000 feet. Oh, my God, what is this? Now I'm getting three of them, and uh, they're separated by about 5,000 feet in height. In describing the objects, the operator says, I'm seeing three. They look like a triangle on my scope, one by South Haven, another over Lake Michigan, and one right near Benton Harbor. I've never seen anything like this, not even when I'm doing storms, the operator says. These are not storms. In the aftermath, researchers were able to say that whatever it was, it wasn't a small plane, 
gas, a blimp, weather balloons, satellites, shooting stars, military aircraft, or debris. Hmm. They still have no idea what the string of lights were. Unidentified flying objects. Yeah. Exactly. Whether or not they were alien spacecraft, I don't know. I don't but know. Clearly UFOs. But yeah, when you had when you had over sixty people calling in that they were seeing these things. I mean, there's something that adds there's some validity there. to it. Yeah. Yes. Next, in two thousand, on May twenty second, there was a report from the air traffic controllers of the O'Hare International Airport in Chicago, Illinois, that for the past five weeks they have been seeing images of ghost planes on their radar in the skies over the Lake Michigan Triangle. The ghost planes had become a complete terror for the air traffic controllers. They had to order many pilots to take sudden turns to avoid crashing into the appearing planes on their radar, and this involved taking big risks. These images appeared and disappeared mysteriously without explanation, not being caused by defects in the equipment since the equipment was reviewed and was in fine working order. Hmm. And I've read a lot about this that, you know, it, maybe it's some kind of weird radar. Enough for them to redirect other airplanes, though? Or yeah, that's, that's them? the thing. That's is that they, if they had to actually redirect, hmm. you know, I'm, I'm assuming that they're used to seeing like false pings on the radar. Sure. So the fact that this freaked them out so much that these these planes or whatever would would appear on the radar. Hmm. And this was, you know, directly over the, the triangle area. Hmm. Next one. And Ron and I talked about this on the drive down here. I thought this was interesting. In 2007, Mark Holley, a professor of underwater archaeology at Northwestern Michigan, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't go there. <laughs> in 2000, shut up. <laughs> no laughing. No laughing. In 2007, Mark Holley, a professor of underwater archaeology at Northwestern Michigan University College, and his colleague Brian Abbott were traveling across the lake in a ship that contained sonar equipment, which is generally used to examine old shipwrecks. After seeing something strange on their readings, they sent divers down to examine what they were seeing, and the divers found a Stonehenge-like ring of rocks that appeared to have been placed in formation, including a boulder which is believed to feature a prehistoric carving of a mastodon, an animal believed to have gone extinct about 10,000 years ago. Research has been continuing on what many people have called the Lake Michigan Stonehenge with many people claiming that this site may be responsible for the strange occurrences that happened in the Lake Michigan Triangle. I feel like, how have I never heard about any of this stuff? Oh, I don't know. Uh, the truth is that other stone circles and other petroglyph sites have been located in the Great Lakes, and ancient structures underneath large bodies of water in general are not that unusual. Okay. Uh, but a lot of people believe that this has something to do with the weird activity around mm-hmm. the triangle. Okay. But yeah, I saw pictures, you know, they have pictures of it online and mm-hmm. stuff, and it has, it's actually, like they had a picture of the mastodon the carving we should post that on our yeah it was it was really interesting and i mean this research on this continues what i think is interesting is they researchers will not give the specific location i'm assuming they don't want people well yeah ever going down there right i i'm diving is something that i never want to do i'm too claustrophobic I'm, i'm afraid of drowning as it is plus being enclosed in like a suit that's mm-hmm. like two of my biggest fears. With a mask. Yeah, yeah. two of my biggest <laughs> yeah. fears right there. Yeah. So no, I would never, never in a million years do that. But I'm I'm sure if they said where it was, you'd have tons of people going oh, down sure. there and, you know, chipping pieces of stone off the stones and stuff. And but, if it's truly 9,000 or 10,000 years old. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a historic artifact. Right. You don't mm-hmm. want to be, right. you know, taking souvenir pieces of it. But yeah, you never heard of that? No. Like Michigan Stonehenge? None of this stuff. Yeah. No. 
Clearly, I don't Google this enough. <laughs> or ever. <laughs> this last one isn't exclusive to the triangle, but there are reports of it being seen in the vicinity of the triangle. In September of 1679, the supply ship Le Griffin, which I believe in French means the Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like perplexed. I'm like, oh, wait for it. Wait wow. for it. Okay. D plus I got in my one year of French class. Oh, there. Uh, Le Griffin left Green Bay to sail back to Niagara with a load of fur. After leaving the harbor on Washington Island, the ship completely vanished. Weather conditions were reported favorable, but That's the ship... That's where Death's Door is, too. Yeah, is right Death, off of Death's Washington Door is up Island. There. Yep. <clears throat> but the ship and its crew of six men were never seen again. Many people at the time blamed the disappearance on an alleged curse that had been placed upon the vessel by an Iroquois witch doctor with the name of Mediomac. It's kind of a cool name. Hmm. Who had believed that the ship was offensive to the great spirit of the lake. In the centuries since the ship's disappearance... Sailors on Lake Michigan have claimed to see the ghostly outlines of the three-masted, antiquated ship emerge suddenly out of a fog bank. But just when the ship seems about to collide, the griffin vanishes. Others swear that the griffin can be glimpsed on foggy nights still sailing out of Green Bay Harbor, and many witnesses have reported seeing the ship from shore sailing off into the distance. Not surprisingly, sighting the lost griffin is regarded as a sign of very bad luck. So this Ooh. is probably one of those ships that looks like a pirate ship or something, yeah. right? So yeah. That, and there's a lot of report. Like... There's a lot of reports of people seeing this ghost ship. Hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. Ghost ships are kind of creepy. I don't know. Are you know is the crew still on there? Are the, all the passengers still on there? But there were a lot of people reportedly seeing this ship. Hmm. There's just something really eerie about the water in general. Yeah. So imagine seeing something that you know shouldn't be there. No, like I said, the fog on the lake is just creepy, and to yeah. see something. Like that in the fog on the lake. No, thanks. Other stories from the triangle include two-pound ice chunks falling onto a tugboat from what crew members described as a cloudless sky in 1883 and countless UFO sightings. Many of these mysterious objects are seen coming out of the water and are called unidentified submerged objects. And there's a lot of reports of people seeing UFOs actually come out Out of of Lake Michigan. There's a lot of people that believe there's a base under Lake Michigan. Really? Yeah. And people say, what better place to hide underwater. an underground base, you know, underwater where people aren't going to go. So, yeah. Okay. Like, okay. You have O's underneath water that are coming? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but there's so a base like underneath inch, the water. Okay. So like yeah. There's people that see them actually the come water. up out of the water hmm. and take off. Okay. Not like a government type thing. Oh, there's people that believe there's a government type thing <laughs> under the sure. lake too, but... Hmm. Huh. You know, you don't know. And lastly, we're going to get to a a story that was written by Kathy Dorr for the website labyrinthia.com. Uh, Rhonda actually f- was this researching weird, yeah. and f- she, she found the same story. <laughs> this is one of the few like firsthand account stories. Of... Does it have a burrito recipe? No, this one, it does not, this one is not mixed up not. with a burrito recipe. <laughs> no, sorry. Burrito. sorry to disappoint, Krista. <laughs> so this is Kathy's story. Early summer, 1978, a perfect night for a sail with seven or ten knot winds, flat seas, and it was midweek we had the complete lake to ourselves. I was aboard one of three classic wooden sailboats, part of an active racing crew that competed every Sunday and practiced maneuvers several times a week. Around dusk on this hot summer's night, we set sail for what should have been an idyllic cruise. As fate would have it, the gods had something different in mind. 
Dun dun dun. More <laughs> like. Okay. Less than an hour out of port, and quite unexpectedly, a dense fog rapidly descended upon us. Visibility dropped to zero. We became disoriented and feared we'd crash into one another. The winds were erratic, filling the mainsail from two opposing directions, a phenomenon that none of us had experienced before this evening. I leaned over the rail and looked at the surface of the lake. It was calm with very little movement. Strangely, a few seconds later, I righted myself and I found that I was extremely cold. In fact, I was freezing. I turned towards the helm to ask my crewmates if they were cold also, and to my utter astonishment, they were no longer standing next to me. One moment we had been packed in the tiny cockpit like sardines, and the very next instant I was alone at the helm. Dumbfounded, I called out and located them standing up on the aft deck where it was several degrees warmer. They seemed perplexed and urged me to join them. That's when I noticed that no one was steering the boat. The captain raised his arms high over his head, gleefully wiggling his hands and fingers in the air, and stated that he hadn't been steering for the last ten minutes. Yet, not one minute before, I was certain he had been standing next to me at the helm. Draped in dense fog, the vessel began a curious aquatic dance. Slowly but deliberately, she turned on her axis, completing three perfect 360-degree turns without ever crossing the wind. Then, just as suddenly as it had appeared, the fog vanished. To our astonishment, we saw the other two boats, all within a few hundred yards of each other, rotating in exactly the same manner. Oh, that's creepy. A moment later, we all regained control of our vessels and pulled out of this vortex. In unison, all three boats turned and headed for port. Sailing home over an absolutely smooth glass-like sea beneath the newly risen full moon, I found myself enfolded in the tangible presence of my recently deceased father. My crewmates, too, all seemed lost in an inexplicable rapture, the only sound being an occasional splash on the rail. We noticed the lead boat entering the anchorage. It had once belonged to our captain, and we knew it well. As we approached the tiny inlet, we found our old mooring empty, our sister ship nowhere in sight. All was quiet. We scanned the horizon for mass movement to no avail. We were the only vessel underway. We couldn't imagine where they could have gone. In fact, there was no place they could have gone. We set out in search of them, carefully navigating under sail in and out of the moorings that our fleet called home. Circling around a few minutes later, we were shocked to find that our sister ship was not only tied up with with its sails stowed, but the crew was in their dinghy rowing ashore, an impossibility in such a short span of time. Nothing added up. Time either stood still or sped up. After the third boat arrived, everybody met on shore. This usually loud group seemed dazed and wanted nothing more than to go home and go to sleep. I looked at my watch. It was now after midnight. It seemed we'd been out for no more than three or four hours instead of over six hours. As the weeks passed, I realized we could not account for a good portion of that evening. The following Sunday, as we readied ourselves for the big race, I brought up the unusual events from our extraordinary sail. To my astonishment, no one would talk about it. Worse yet, they behaved as if nothing out of the ordinary had happened. The winds alone would have given them something to talk about for years. It became evident that I was the only one in remembrance. Our captain has since passed away, and I've lost contact with the old sailing gang. However, I've told this story many times, calling it my Lake Michigan Triangle story. Years later, I would learn of a book by Jay Gourley written about the mysterious appearances and disappearance of boats and airplanes in the Great Lakes. Over the years, I've come to realize that the circumstances of that night might very well have been for my benefit, another in a series of extraordinary events earmarking my remarkable journey of life. So yeah, that's really weird. Time, lost time freaks me out. Yeah, lost time totally freaks me out. I've never that's experienced something that I, it. That's something that I 
would have a really hard time with. Yeah, mm-hmm. not knowing what happened. Yeah, and not I'm not somebody. I'm not somebody that can just pretend it didn't happen because no. that is. I'd spend the rest of my life trying to figure it out. Probably. Yeah. How frustrating it would be to try to talk to those people and none of them would talk yes. to you about it. Yes. That would be really hard because then yeah. you're kind of alone in but it. But that happened with that. Uh, what well, was I think that? then you one question those, your own those, sanity. Right. That yeah. alien, one of the famous alien abduction stories. It's like they wouldn't talk about what happened that night. Was it the guys in the forest? Yes. Yeah. Where they fire didn't, like, in the sky. Yeah. The movie fire in the, they made, yeah, yeah. Where they didn't want to talk about what happened that night. Hmm. So, you know, but I love the, the imagery. They were on the, an episode of like Paranormal Witness though. Was that one yes. that we watched? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah. I like the story. I love the imagery of the three ships all yeah. spinning. I have to say, time. of the the research that I did on the Lake Michigan Triangle, I think this was the most that kind of gave me the chills. Yes, yeah. like, this was definitely you know, the yeah, most. Those are just like old timey ship stories. This is really creepy and yes. eerie. Yeah, yes. you know. But you know, now that we're getting towards the end of this, I am honestly kind of surprised that there wasn't more. Hmm. You know, I heard so much about the, the Lake Michigan Triangle, and I thought there'd be a lot more weird stuff. There's probably all kinds of stuff that happens out there that nobody posts yeah. online. But th- this was really all, I looked at a lot of different sites about it, and this was really all I could find. You know, there's a lot of uh, of reports of mysterious UFOs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, But this these were the big ones. These were the big stories. Like one of the bigger ones is the Stonehenge. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's really interesting. To think that there, there could be something underground that is caught underground, under the water that's kind of causing all of this. Yeah. I know in some of my research, I came across what it's called ley lines. Yeah. Yep. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. And that, you know, uh, ley lines are, are like a matrix of, matrix of magnetic uh, pathways that are crisscrossing mm-hmm. uh, or through the, over the earth rather. And that people believe that like these ancient well, like don't places, like the pyramids, like pyramids right. Stonehenge, yeah. all like those they are crisscross. based on, mm-hmm. yeah, because there's like power, yeah, like energy. A, uh, like an energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ley lines are interesting. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't mind even having a mini mystery about show about ley lines themselves mm-hmm. on how they can create like vortexes. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, yep. But yeah, there's a lot of people that believe what, that that's like what the Bermuda Triangle is—is is where right. where two ley lines cross—is where. So I, I find that kind of interesting, like with. Um, the one story out of Green Bay that you were talking about, yeah. the one ship. Yeah. Because the Lake Michigan Stonehenge is near like the Traverse City, Michigan area, which is kind of further mich- northern, you know, up the coast more. Like Green Bay is further up the coast of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that would kind of make sense then if there, you know, if there is any truth behind the ley lines. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, it would. you know, the mysterious disappearance of the ship and. Yeah, that's really cool. Though. No, I, j- I think I don't know if I even think it's a triangle. I think Lake Michigan is just kind of weird on its own. That maybe there isn't a specific triangle. Well, it sounds like a lot of it is concentrated. But there, over there's a, a lot of people area. that say that the weather is unique. The weather and pattern is really unique above Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. That that's it's responsible for a lot of like squalls come up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So, did you have Rhonda have stuff you were going to share from some of your coworkers' stories? Um. Not yeah, a lot, a lot. But um, um, one of my uh, coworkers on the uh, is was one of the mates on the the car fair, and I just said you know reached out to him, you know, saying that you know I was doing some research on the Lake Michigan um, Triangle, and um, he, uh, let me see here, he had said that um, he has seen strange things from time to time. Uh, lights that can't be explained, eerie shapes in the fog. 
That's creepy. Um, mm-hmm. So that I kind of, I asked like for clarification then as far as like the lights, are you, you know, like on the horizon or in the sky? Yeah. Um, and his response was, um, odd lights are usually in the sky, though we've seen strange things on the water too. Um, he said it's probably a legitimate explanation, but some are very weird, very fast moving lights or odd patterns. Um, you know, seeing the odd shapes coming out of the fog and stuff. Um, so that's cool. That is cool. That's creepy, though. And that's I mean, he's, shapes, you know, he's the shapes thing for yes, out yeah. of fog, yes. <laughs> you know, and yeah. he's somebody I would, I totally trust that he's, you know, not just making this Pulling up or, yeah, yeah. Right. or, you know, just he's a reputable yeah. gentleman. So, okay. have you seen anything weird on your uh, my crossings? car ferry crossings? No. Will you no. pay more attention now? Oh my God, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, a rumor that's gone around the, the ship that, you know, that the ship is haunted, that there was a passing in one of the staterooms that someone had. I'm guessing had, at some point someone had yeah, passed away that on the ship. someone sure. had um, gotten, um, because the staterooms have um, berths, beds that fold up into the wall and... Um, like a Murphy bed? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Kind of okay. like along, along the lines and that someone had gotten the the birth had kind of released and they Ugh. got trapped in the birth oh yeah it's a horrifying way to go so it's, it's just rumors i myself bed. have never experienced it but you know hmm. talking with some of the other crew members yeah there have been so what some, what kind of activity um uh, like the do, kind of door the door closing by itself they, it doesn't sound like people want to clean in that room oh. like after there have been people in there and Right away, um, I'm thinking, okay, you're on a moving ship. A door closing by itself doesn't seem all that right. spectacular. But they, they clean they clean the staterooms when the ship is docked. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so the ship isn't you know, necessarily moving. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if it's a windy enough day and the waves are, you mm-hmm. know, bad enough, you can still, it still can rock on, sure. in, you know, when it's docked. Yeah. But, um, huh. yeah. I That's interesting. I don't know you should that. ask if yeah. you can do an investigation. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> we could do a live live episode on the uh, right there you go. The so car cool. <laughs> and one last thing is that there are reports that aware of the curious incidents over the great lakes the federal aviation administration several years ago instituted a special category of unidentified aircraft sightings and also created the lake reporting service where pilots on great lakes overflights make continuous reports to ground stations a 10-minute delay in such a report automatically launches a search and rescue operation. Wow. Like, they know something weird is going on. Yeah. Huh. Crazy. So, yeah, that is the Lake Michigan Triangle. That's pretty cool. It's right at our doorstep. Yeah, you know? it is right at our doorstep. People that from, like, different parts of the country probably are like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but Lake Michigan is really cool. It, it is, is really It is cool. like being on... Like I think it being on the ocean. It, it is, is like being. I on think people think that a lake, oh, I'm going to be able to see across. No. But oh, no, 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 no. It yeah. amazed me when no. I took the car ferry that two years ago or whatever mm-hmm. that was when you were, you let me on. I was like one of the first people on. Uh, <laughs> You're lucky I let you on. <laughs> I know. Um, how long it took to get across the yeah. lake. I assumed that it would be quicker than that. It's 58 miles. It's a yeah. four hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, four hour a, crossing. A good friend of mine who grew up in Illinois who obviously Chicago's on Lake Michigan. She had read a book that I think like Al Capone or somebody like a new, was Al Capone New York gangster or something? Was he New York? Yeah, Chicago. Well, that must've been a different gangster because whoever it was when they came to Chicago, probably to see Al Capone, they went 
to Lake Michigan and said, what ocean is this? Because it's so <laughs> big it's and vast yeah. and yeah. You, you would never realize that it's just a lake. It's so huge. Yeah. And when we did the Mothman stuff, some of the Chicago Mothman sightings were over Lake Michigan. So oh, I mean, really? there's, yeah, there's that too where people see, you know, these flying things. That kind of died down now, didn't it? I haven't heard, it really read anything uh, about Barry that. Barry sent me an article that Hi, there was a report. Hi, Barry. That there was a report. <laughs> hey, Bear. Last <laughs> April, I think it was of a... Uh, so last month? No, last year. Oh, I think it was a like year, a year ago. But it was, it was, it might have been Because we've talked about it since yeah. then. I'll, we'll look. I'll have the, we'll okay. discuss that on the next episode. But there was another story that just came out about Mothman sightings okay. in Wisconsin. And this was oh, like in inland. Wisconsin? This was like inland Wisconsin. Hmm. This wasn't like on the lake. Was it southern Wisconsin? I believe it was down by Madison. I might be oh, wrong. That's like but western Wisconsin. Yeah, we'll okay. discuss that on the, we'll have news. That'll be in housekeeping on our next okay, episode. Okay, yeah, sweet. So that is the Lake Michigan Triangle. Interesting. What do you guys think? I think there's something to it. I think there is too, but I think some of the stuff is just, you know, it could just be stuff happens. Geographical, yeah. like you know, a storm will whip up and it'll yeah. mess up a plane, and a plane will crash. Sure. I mean, some of the stuff is mysterious, like they get the captain disappearing yeah. from his locked. That's weird. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. So that stuff is weird. I, I like I said, I definitely found um, the story. Kathy Doors story was story interesting. The most, that gives yeah. me the chills thinking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. So. But you know, like I was saying earlier too, I I don't again if if you're not from this area, I don't know that people realize first of all how big the lake is yeah. and how treacherous it can get. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking upwards I mean, of seventy five re- mile per hour winds and there's like there's always is reports 20... of people like go swimming or go boating and then yeah. they're they've find their bodies yeah you mm-hmm. know because a storm will whip up out of nowhere mm-hmm. the, the waves will get crazy out of nowhere yeah one thing um i did come across too in some of my research is you know of course you know people try to explain away um but um some some people believe that um when you have different different magnetic fields colliding like for in the powerful thunderstorms especially over bodies of water that the the metallic highly charged fog um, kind of acts as a magnet then and it attracts. Yeah, I could, I could totally buy oh, that. Yeah. yeah, to metallic objects, yeah. like airplanes or yeah. oh. nowadays boats. I mean, yeah. back in the day, of course, you know, boats were made out of wood. And um, and especially with the weird storm activity over the lake, I yeah. could totally see that being a, yeah. a theory. Well, and then, of course, boat. you know, if that is true with magnetic, whatever that it can, of course, cause havoc on, you know, the Electrical navigation. Equipment, yep, and, yeah. yep, yep, yep. And, hmm. um, That's an interesting theory. It is. Yeah. And, you know, some people believe that electromagnetic um, energy itself can affect the fabric of time. And I, I don't know about that, but I don't know. It's I interesting. It, I think it could. It can certainly affect how you feel. For sure. Maybe that's what they all ran into in her story. Yeah. Yeah. Her story is weird. That's pretty cool. It was creepy. I loved it. <laughs> now I'm afraid to go out on the lake. <laughs> So let us know what you guys think about the Lake Michigan Triangle. Is it bunk or is it plausible? I guess that one ship that they found, it looked like it had collided with another ship, but they couldn't find what it collided with. That was pretty weird, too. Yeah, that is odd. Mm-hmm. But I guess I expected more strangeness. Hmm. I'm always kind of a buzzkill at this. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. You're a real Debbie Downer. But we all know, being paranormal investigators, that a good investigator... 
True. We'll try to, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you do want to try to debunk, too, before but claiming what, something is... What there is of the weirdness that has happened is actually pretty weird. Yeah. It, There's a yeah. lot of cool stories about it's it. It's not just yeah. a little weird. It's really weird. Yeah. yeah. And it got us on Ancient Aliens with the guy with the hair. <laughs> you know. Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that guy. So do I. So now we are going to go on to our listener question or questions. We have may you have checked time. it lately. I'm curious. I don't know think how many anybody asked have. anything lately. Really? Come on, so guys. Ask. Still like eight or so. Though? We're on twelve, but I think okay. we were on twelve last time. So ask some more questions, you guys. It's on our strangers. They're probably not asking questions because we don't get to them. <laughs> There's still twelve on there that we haven't read. Good point. So Rhonda, you're going to be involved oh. with these. Okay. Did you ask the one about where you get your hair done? Yeah, <laughs> Are you the one that asked if Kristen and I ever hooked up? That was not me. <laughs> because she knows the I answer. know <laughs> the answer. All right. Don't you all want to know? <laughs> she'll it's, tell you. She'll, no, she'll so tell you for not a that fee. exciting. All right, here we go. Who does your hair? That was around us. Um, and thank you, seriously, <laughs> for explaining. I should know. I should remember who does your hair, Kurt. Right. But yours, yeah. Crystal. That thank you. Thank you. Somebody said, "Who is your, who is your most awesome bestie for over ten years?" <laughs> you don't have to say me because I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know Jim and Jamie are. Jim and Jamie. Jamie, I've known since longest. I think first grade. Mm-hmm. Jamie. Jamie, Jamie hey, our, Jamie. Area Fifty One episode. Area Fifty One. Yep. yep. Who was your most awesome bestie for over ten years? Uh, I'll have to, Jamie. I mean, yeah. I've he's he was just home this past week. Him and his he's wife. He's probably the one who submitted the question because he, he just was. wanted to hear. <laughs> he, he wanted he wanted to hear you say it, Kurt. <laughs> him, and his, uh, him and his wife Missy had a lot of good things to say about the podcast. He was in our Area Fifty One episode, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna go with Jamie as my yeah. best, longest mm-hmm. friend. You. Rhonda? Oh my God. Um, my best, longest friend. Holy crap. That's really putting me on the spot. Um, this is what we do here. This is all <laughs> off the cuff. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh my gosh. Um, I have to think a moment. Would you call them your besties though if you're just in contact with them? What bugs me about this probably though is not. that they ask. Is it Kurt? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably that Aww, I've stayed in. Thank yeah, you. That, well, that, I've, that I'm still in contact on you know on a, a, a fairly constant, yeah a regular basis yeah would definitely yeah oh man <laughs> we're getting all sad, <laughs> yeah, we're getting all sad here we're sitting over there like i can't believe she's not saying right <laughs> what's taking her so long Hello? i'm just thinking the way the question is phrased who is your most awesome bestie for over 10 years it's like somebody wants us to say them right and i'm gonna feel bad if we don't say them well it's not i mean so i have the people I'm in contact with the most I've known for probably 20 years, my girlfriends, mm-hmm. like Nick, Nicole, Nikki B. But I actually do have a lifelong best friend since birth, like literally since birth. And her name also happens literally. to be Nikki. Yeah. So, but yeah, literally 41 years we've been best friends. So. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. I would say Jamie. But I stood I up would, in her wedding. But even though it's... I don't think it's legal. I would go with Corey, my brother, because he's yeah. one of my very best friends, and I've known him since he was a wee little Corey, <laughs> since he was born. Wee little baby Corey. So thank you, wee for little who, lad. Thank you for whoever submitted that. Hope and we, we said time. your name. We have time. <laughs> I hope we said your name. We're gonna get unfriended by somebody. Yep. Now we're gonna have time for another question. In honor of last week's episode, that must have been the John Teeter one. <laughs> I was gonna say. In honor of last week's episode. Is that our last episode as John Teeter? No, it was no, the Dybbuk th- th- Box. That's what I think this is referring to. Is oh, because these are old. 
God, this is a good question. I don't know who yeah. asked this, but this is a really good question. In honor of last week's episode, would you rather have a one-minute conversation with your past self or with your future self? Ooh, my God. That that's is a, a good really question. really good question. I would... My future self. My past self. I would want to tell my past self stuff. But your past self, I guess it doesn't know yet. No, I'd be telling my past self. You don't what, do this. Don't do certain things. Do certain things. If you things. have a, few, a, a one minute conversation with your future self, you're also having a one minute conversation with your past right? self. Right? Wow. So is that. You just blew <laughs> my mind. Mind <laughs> blown. <laughs> I don't know. Is this a trick question? I know because I'm thinking that too. It's like, okay. I, I feel I, like there's no wrong th- no, answer. No, this is a really good question though <laughs> yeah. because I have to legitimately think about this. I think it would be my past self because I want to tell. You know, but what if your future self wants to tell you something better than what you want to tell your past self? Damn. <laughs> I Again, told, no, because I think if I, told, if I told my past self stuff, it would, make, it would make my present. future self even better mm-hmm. because I wouldn't have made the mistakes in life that I made. But the, the mistakes the we are going to continue. I was going to say, <laughs> we're going to. I was going to say, are we going to continue to make mistakes? Like I don't know. <laughs> Why does this like have a, to be so complicated? <laughs> I'm still, I'm going with past self. I wish I could have a one minute conversation with my past self and tell myself. I think so too. I think I would go with my past. I'm saying future because it's the same thing. You would just ask for like winning lottery numbers or something. No. Yeah. But why? I wouldn't, I would not want the me from 10 years ago to talk to the me from now because I feel like the me from 10 years ago would be disappointed at how I turned out. <laughs> My God. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like if I went back now and talked to my talk so to my confused. I went back now and talked to the talk to me from 10 years in the past. Yeah. The me from He'd 10 years like, in the Dude, past. You have an awesome podcast. Wow. Right. Kick ass. I don't know. I feel like I have more bad things to say than good things. Oh, Kurt. <laughs> I'm just Do saying. We need to have an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I'm sticking with my, I would have, I would love to have a one minute conversation with my past self. So not so you could learn, your present self could learn anything. So your past self could learn So my past you. self could learn to avoid things that I should have avoided or to do things that I should have done. Amen. But, then, I think that I'd be would, but then that would change who you are now. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I was going to say it could, yeah. Have you watched Back to the Future? <laughs> <laughs> I might not exist now, Kurt. That's <laughs> true. Oh, then you get all sorts of quantum entanglement and all that stuff oh, in there. My so, gosh. wow, that was a my head hurts that was now. a that, that was a heavy <laughs> question. Remember, I'm the slow one. So. <laughs> <laughs> I want another question. How okay. many do we have left? Let's do another. We'll one. We'll do one more. That I was feel a, like we that can was do a, a whole podcast just people asking. No, that was a, that was a heavy question. Thank heavy. you for ever asked that. That was a. That was a good question. All right. Next question. Kurt probably asked that one. <laughs> maybe, maybe I did, Boy, but I told this my... This guy might be real... He but you really told your past I told my self? past self to ask that question. There you go. Oh, man. Okay. Um. Um. Shut up. I'll fire you so fast. <laughs> um. This is an old school media production. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're getting fired. <laughs> Last question: Would you rather spend the day wearing wet socks or spend the day with a popcorn kernel stuck in your teeth? Oh. Wet socks, because popcorn kernel stuck in your teeth sucks. I'd go with the kernel. Oh, I'd go with the wet socks. Popcorn kernel. Is it like it didn't say? Just, I was going to say they didn't. Yeah, they didn't no, say but it's that. Still it, annoying. 
I hate having a popcorn socks? kernel stuck yeah, in my you teeth. Can, you eventually can ignore it. What no, socks? No, you can't ignore then your it. Because then your feet get cold. So and oh my God, if you have cold feet, you're cold to the bone. You can you never get blisters from wet warm socks. up. It's hard no, to warm up. I though. would rather live with that than the annoyance of a popcorn kernel stuck in my teeth. Because that there is nothing that's more annoying than okay, that. Chris, the only thing more annoying than that is an eyeball girl. twitch that won't stop. We're hiding over you're, popcorn. You you're, you're, the odd, you're the odd ball out this time, Kurt. Whatever. Whatever. Although fired. I have to say, I'm I, doing the podcast by myself from now on. <laughs> I do keep toothpicks around because I hate getting stuff stuck. <laughs> so do I. Did, weren't you just using? She a, was uh, just. Weren't you was. just using a? Uh, Having a little small little melt. She was just using an. In, she was just using an index card as a toothpick <laughs> because she had something stuck in her teeth. So and it was really small and it didn't hurt at all. <laughs> and you got to improvise. Still, I'm. I'm. Those uh, would you rather questions just uh-huh. drive me crazy. Actually. I am full on board with because the, they're always two really annoying or yeah. horrifying things that you. We did a paranormal palaver episode. A would you rather episode that was like horrifying. <laughs> no wet socks all day long. Maybe it's a hot day and it would feel good. You know, depends okay, on what they were. I, I, it also depends on what they were wet with because they're <laughs> <right>. <laughs> urine. Yeah. <laughs> if it's my urine, that's not You'd so have bad. Like if it's somebody else's urine, by the end of the day, too, your feet would be <laughs> all white toes and are wrinkly. Yeah, <laughs> moist. Like I, oh I can deal with a kernel in my tooth much easier. All right, I think we're going to go off the rails here pretty soon. So I think we'll start wrapping like this that up. The ship has sailed. The ship has sailed and <laughs> sunk, and sunk in the triangle. Literally. <laughs> so that's it for this week's episode. Rhonda, thank you for sitting in. You're actually going to be back in like not the next episode, but the one after because I think EVP? that's our EVP episode. Ooh, awesome. Yep. Can't and you're even June. on some of our EVPs. Good. <laughs> do you have any you want to provide you have to go through your evps and he kurt probably actually has yeah, i still have all the good yeah, evps he, he did the uh sherry at work uh listened to the paranormal palaver where they played my stomach gurgle one <laughs> and she said she laughed so Demonic hard so we'll play that on every that, EVP. time <laughs> on an investigation every time even when we were here investigating the school krista yeah. would laugh because my stomach just gurgles nonstop. it's crazy it's possessed it is yeah. It might be the Chinese food that you eat. <laughs> or, or, yeah, or, or whatever, I, whatever, whatever I shove into my face hole. Well, thanks, Garbage guys, omelets, for letting yeah. me actually sit in on one of these. Yeah. Well, thank you for finding the so curious. Yeah. <laughs> I've been yeah. so curious to see how now this all... Now you got to see the old school yeah, media studio. Yeah, see how studio. this all works. You got to see the recording really cool. technicians in the other room. You got yep. to meet them. Yep. So, no, we hot. don't allow anyone to meet well, them. I, I introduced them to Rana. Oh. Yeah, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't take pictures of any of the top okay. secret equipment. You didn't give them any food, did you? No. Okay, <laughs> I did not feed them. We don't allow them to eat. Per instructions, yes. And then some of those spicy pepperoni <laughs> jerky things. Oh, I forgot about those. Yeah, I, I bought Krista a couple bags of those because she really Because I don't them. get cranky when I eat them. I didn't get cranky. I got whiny. You did I got too. Whiny. That was, that was whiny. whiny. That was a cranky. Was, well, I wasn't pouty. here to experience. Pouty. You yes. sounded, yes. Griping the whole thing. Okay, I did not sound like that. You were pretty whiny. Yeah. Whatever. He's going to edit all this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to edit all this out. <laughs> so, Only say cool bloopers. things. So thank you guys for listening. Yeah. We will be back soon. Oh, hey, can I mention one thing? No. <laughs> he said he's already signing off. Forget it. You're done. I really want to ask people to go rate us on iTunes because iTunes is like a really... Um, it's a really good vehicle for getting your podcast out there. And the more ratings you get and good ratings you get on iTunes, the further like up the list it goes. 
I hear people on podcasts all the time saying, please go rate us on iTunes. And okay. we've never once said it. No. So I, I, I don't even know how to tell you to do it, but no. someone you else could be can in charge of monitoring that because I, that's Joe's I get, job. Okay. I Joe get, does monitor I stress us. too much when somebody gives us like a bad rating. <laughs> I, I have, I'm, I take that stuff I really personally. Like I shouldn't, days. I shouldn't, but I take that stuff really personally. So Joe is monitoring that from okay. old school media. And okay. he said that the strain sessions blows all of our podcasts out of the water. I think even including the one we do for our job at John. Wow. So. Oh, thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. <laughs> but if you go to, yeah, if you're not already rating us or haven't rated us on iTunes, please go do that. It'll yes, only please take rate a few us seconds. On iTunes. It'll make a big difference, though. If you don't like us, rate us. So let us know. No, what, don't do that. Well, no. let us know, let <laughs> if, us know what we can do. If you improve. don't like them, just stop don't listening. Listen. Right. <laughs> just We've let, gotten some really good ratings have got, on Facebook, too. Yeah, so we thank have. you guys. So thank you guys for the good ratings. This one lady's, we should have read it, but it was really funny. It made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Yep. She was really good. Yes. So I can't remember her name and I apologize, but we'll maybe we'll read it next time. Well, yeah. you guys do have really very funny. funny banter. Thank you. <laughs> we do have a good we do have good banter. You yeah. do. But then I always worry, do people want the banter or do they just want the topic? They can they fast just forward want... to the banter. Right. Oh. We stuck we're not to our fifteen minute everybody. rule today. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna please everybody. No. But we're thankful for the people that we do please. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. That was now we got a market explosive. Now it's gonna be <laughs> now it's getting to the, the pay podcast. Late pay night strange podcast. sessions late night. See how strange it can sessions. get. The sexy sessions. All right, we're gonna go, folks. So <laughs> so thank you for listening. Thank you, Rhonda, for joining thank us. You. And until next time, stay, stay strange. strange. This has been an old school media production, executive produced by Kirk Knechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.